0: Questions to the Prime
1: Minister, Edward Gardner? Mr Speaker, uh, this morning, on behalf of the whole of the United Kingdom, I welcome President Obama and the First Lady to Diamond Street. This afternoon, I will be meeting President Medvedev of Russia, Prime Minister Singh, Prime Minister Asu of Japan, and the President of China. And tonight, uh, the G20 leaders will meet in the first session of the G20 summit. I'm proud that our country is hosting the G20 meeting.
0: The Prime Minister and his noble friend, Lord Miners, have now had 24 hours to uh, consider whether they can confirm what Lord Miners said to the Select Committee about Sir Sir Fred Goodwin's (laughs) pension arrangements. Does the Prime Minister understand that his government ministers are now held in public ridicule and contempt? Is it is it not time that at least one of them resigns,
1: yeah. Mr. Speaker? I see he's risen to the occasion yeah. of today. Can I, can I just oh can I, can I can I just say to him that Lord Miners has made it very clear that he was told of something that he was led to believe was a contractual obligation, but it was a discretionary matter. And that is the issue that the UKFI are taking up with the Royal Bank of Scotland. That is the basis on which we are considering legal action, and that is the basis on which the UKFI will use its votes in the annual general meeting to promote legal action.
0: Stephen Hepburn, Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister knows that there's been many unfortunate people in this country who've been negligently poisoned at the workplace through exposure to asbestos. And on every occasion, when their right has been challenged in the court by the employer's to compensation, it's been this Labour Government that stood by them and helped them. So can I ask the Prime Minister what he intends to do about the thousands of predominantly working-class plural plaque sufferers in this country who've been robbed of their compensation by unjust decisions in the law courts?
1: Mr Speaker, asbestos and asbestos is a terrible uh, disease. Uh, All those who suffer from it uh, deserve the best of help uh, from uh, the public authorities. It is right that we look again as a result of legal actions that have been taken about the obligations of insurance companies. The Justice Secretary will make a statement on this as we return from Easter.
2: David Cameron. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. On behalf of everyone on this side of the House, can I join the Prime Minister in welcoming President Obama and the First Lady and all the other Presidents and Prime Ministers to our country this week. But before turning to the G20, can I ask the Prime Minister about the issue of MPs' expenses. Now MPs may groan, but frankly I'm fed up with our politics being driven through the mud. Yeah. Now, We need a solution. We, we need a solution that is transparent, that costs less than the current arrangements and restores faith in the political process. Isn't it the case that we cannot wait for another review? Doesn't this need to be agreed now? So instead of another review, will the Prime Minister agree to an urgent meeting between the main party leaders so we can sort this out once and for all?
1: Well, 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 Mr Speaker, uh, first of all, I uh, agree and have said on many occasions that this whole system has to be reformed and improved. And I think there is common ground in this House uh, that it brings uh, no uh, repute to MPs if we are continually having to deal with these issues. Uh, We have made some changes uh, by the will of the House in the way expenses are uh, are documented, in the way that the Green Book is organised, and in the way people are obliged to account uh, for the expenditures of money. Uh, Both the parties agreed that the Committee of Conduct into the Standards of Public Life could do a good job looking at these issues. Of course I'm happy to meet the leaders of the the opposition parties to discuss this matter, but, but I do say to restore public confidence in the matter... The committee, of public, the committee on Standards in Public Life will have to complete their review as well. And I have asked them to speed up that review so it's completed as quickly as possible.
2: Frankly, I think the problem is we don't need another review. This is, this is but if, look, Let's be clear, this is exactly what happened last time. The Prime Minister supported a review, he sent it a letter, and when it came up with conclusions, actually he didn't in fact vote for those conclusions. The public are sick and tired of the situation. What it requires, I did vote for it, what it requires is political leadership. That means political leaders making decisions. That means him. It means him. He's not. He's not he's here. And it means me. So I ask the Prime Minister again, will he have that meeting of party leaders so we can sort this out? Not in six months' time. Instead of a review. Not in six months' time. Not in a year's time. But right now.
1: Yeah. Mr Speaker, he has written this question before he had my first answer. <laughs> I, I, said, I said I was quite happy to... I said I was quite happy to meet him and to meet the leader of the Liberal Party to discuss these issues but he has to remember that if we in this House are going to command public confidence for what we do then we need to satisfy the Committee of Conduct on Standards in Public Life as well as ourselves and the whole purpose of the discussions we've had in recent years is to take MPs' pay out of politics so it is not MPs that are held responsible for the, the original recommendations on pay or voting for them and I believe we have got to satisfy more than ourselves about the standards that we are applying in public life so yes I'm prepared to talk to him but yes he should agree what was agreed before that the committee of public St- on public standards should continue to review this issue and report as quickly as possible The problem is we
2: can all hear the rustling of the long grass, that's the problem Turning, let me turn let me, let me turn to the G20. At the, last meeting, at the last meeting of the G20 in Washington, the leaders signed up to an important pledge on free trade. But as the CBI said, there were, and I quote, airy promises about completing the Doha World Trade Deal and rejecting protectionism. But since then, the world has moved backwards with the majority of G20 countries actually pushing up barriers. What assurances can the Prime Minister give us that this time it really will be different?
1: Let me say first of all that the significance of this G20 meeting is that the world is coming together to discuss detailed proposals on trade and on other issues to deal with the problems of the day. And I don't think we've had a situation where we've had Russia, China, India, Argentina, Brazil, uh, all the European countries, Japan and America, coming together to see whether we can agree uh, shared policies. In 1929, there was a Wall Street crash. In 1945, we had the first meeting of world leaders that was successful in discussing the issues. We are not going to wait for 16 years. We are taking action now. Now, on the specifics of uh, trade, I think he will agree with me that we have uh, pushed very hard over these last few months uh, to get a trade deal uh, around the world. Uh, We were were pushing uh, before Christmas under President Bush so that an agreement could be reached. The problem I have to say to him that is still outstanding is this, and I think... uh, it helps the discussions if I explain it. That India, that India, India, India wanted assurances about a special safeguard me- me- mechanism if there was to be a surge in imports in the country. America wanted assurance that the sectoral agreements would be in line with the general agreement that was going to be uh, signed on world trade. The American administration has asked us, now that they are a new administration, for some time in the next few weeks to re- review their position. I think, given it is a new administration, we've got to understand that they will want to look at their position. But I am hopeful, and I am pressing them, as I did when I talked to President Obama on the phone yesterday before I met him today, that the World Trade Organization needs an answer, and we need to move forward. Now, what we will achieve at this summit is this. First, first of all, we will now name and shame country. Well, well Mr Speaker... Uh, Our honour, uh, let the Prime Minister
0: speak. Order. Order. Always
1: that Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition get leeway. And let the Prime Minister speak. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, first of all, we will name uh, and shame com- c- countries that are not prepared to abide by the standards that we are setting. Se- secondly, we will want to provide trade credits uh, for the future so that we can see world trade expanding by supporting that with at least 100 billion of of, of credits. And thirdly, we will push very hard so that the differences that exist, which other countries have resolved, can also be resolved in America and India.
2: Mr. Speaker. I'm grateful for the Prime Minister's answer, but the fact is the naming and shaming process was actually agreed in Washington in November at the G20 meeting. And since then, the World Bank has produced a paper saying that 17 of the 20 countries involved have actually implemented measures that have restricted trade. Now, everyone understands that the new American administration needs time, but clearly the biggest boost for the world economy would be the completion of the Doha trade round. So, does the Prime Minister agree with me that the greatest success for the The G20 will be to set a credible pathway and a credible timetable to a full Doha
1: agreement. That is one of the things that we are trying to achieve. But I have to say to him, he cannot avoid the difficult questions also about this G20. We are in the midst of the biggest fiscal stimulus that the world has ever seen, and only the Conservative Party seem to be opposing this. We are are, are in the midst of the biggest cuts in interest rate the world has seen. We are restructuring our banking system. Yes, I agree that trade is important, and that is why I've pushed it very far. But I think he understood, when I said that America wanted some time to consider the position, that that was a barrier to getting an agreement immediately. But we will push forward on trade, but we will also push forward on the other measures that are necessary for an economic recovery. I just repeat, there is nobody coming to London who's got a policy of doing nothing.
2: There is someone... There is someone right here in London who said that we cannot afford another fiscal stimulus and that was the Governor of the Bank of England. I don't know whether the Prime Minister fully understands what happened last week. While he was wandering around the rest of the world telling them how to run their economies, the Governor of the Bank of England right here was saying he didn't know how to run ours. The fact is the Governor of the Bank of England very publicly snipped up his credit card. That is what happened last week. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that the real test of the G20 is whether confidence returns? So here in Britain, will the Prime Minister agree that with the budget deficit, over 10% of GDP, a big, big part of restoring confidence is going to be restoring those public finances?
1: Mr Speaker, once again, the Conservative Party are misinterpreting what is happening in the world and getting getting everything wrong. Mr Speaker, the stimulus that has been proposed in Germany is £75 billion. In France, it is £24 billion. In China, it is £400 billion. In Japan, £42 billion. There is not one country in the world following the advice of the Conservative Party. The real issue at this summit is that some people are prepared to take the action to get people through what is a global problem that needs global solutions. The Conservative Party revealed by their questions that they are still the do-nothing party of the past.
2: I have to say to the Prime Minister, this do-nothing attack has done absolutely nothing for him. (laughs) Ever since he started making it, he's been going down and we've been going up. (laughs) It it says nothing about us. It says so much, though, about him and his approach to dividing line politics of the past. And I have to say to the Prime Minister, of course other countries who did fix the roof while the sun was shining can afford a fiscal stimulus. But what the Governor of the Bank of England said, quite rightly, is that we cannot afford one here. Now, on the G20, everyone wants a global agreement on issues like trade, like the IMF, like tax havens. But isn't it important to understand that once the talks are over, Britain will still be left with the most appalling public finances. We are spending £4 for every three we raise. This is a domestic problem and no international agreement is going to resolve it. And don't these difficult circumstances teach us one very important lesson? We should never leave Britain this exposed
1: again yeah. Mr Speaker Mr Speaker if we do not take action things will get a great worse part- Prime Minister. Look, the, the rehearsals yeah, will make yeah. no difference because this is not about the party games he's talking about, this is about lives, about jobs, about homes, yeah. about businesses <laughs> and I have not heard him once today talking about the problems of the unemployed and people that we are trying to help Look, Mr Mr. Speaker, he said we cannot afford to have a fiscal stimulus. That is his position. So he would cut the pension, cut child benefit. He would not go ahead with the help to small businesses. He would not go ahead with the help to homeowners. He would not go ahead with advancing the public investment. Everything that we are doing to take this country through the downturn, he opposes. And I hope people in every constituency of the country know that the Conservative Party policy is to cut the pension, cut child benefit, cut public work. That is the policy of the Conservative Party.
0: She's She's Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I fully appreciate that G20 is mainly about economic issues, but should the Prime Minister or any of his colleagues get a chance to talk to our <laughs> Russian colleagues, will he remind them that human rights remain extremely important, and actions such as raiding the memorial office in St. Petersburg, or threatening to destroy the Stalin archives, simply is not worthy of a great country.
1: Yeah. Every time I met President Medvedev, I have reminded him of the differences that we have with Russia over some of these uh, very issues, and I will continue to do so when I meet him this afternoon. There have been difficulties in the relationship between Britain and Russia, but it is also important to recognize that we want Russia to work with us in a Middle East peace settlement. We want them to work with us in dealing with the problems of Iran, and we want to work together with them so that we can achieve a multilateral disarmament uh, and make sure that the non-proliferation treaty works. These are all issues where I believe we can also work with Russia. Nick Clegg. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Mr Speaker, we all, want,
0: we all want this G20 summit uh, to succeed. Uh, he's quite right. he's, quite right to say, he's quite right to say that we won't get ourselves out of this mess unless world leaders work together. But the summit won't help anybody here unless he practices at home what he preaches abroad. On his world tour, he's railed against tax avoidance, yet he presided over industrial-scale tax avoidance in British banks and British uh, businesses. He, he now talks about green-collar jobs, yet his fiscal stimulus has less green fiscal stimulus in it than any other fiscal stimulus in the G20. Doesn't he see that leadership starts at home?
1: Yeah. <laughs> L- Mr Speaker, let, let, me, let me tell the the Leader of the Liberal Party, that for the first time we are on the verge of an agreement which will mean that every country that was previously a tax haven will have to exchange tax information on request. So Switzerland, Andorra, uh, Luxembourg, Hong Kong, Singapore, all these countries, for 20 years we have been trying to get agreement. I I don't know if the Conservative Party wants to see these agreements. For 20 years we have been trying to get agreement and and we will get agreements at this summit. So the issue of tax havens has moved to a new level where we're actually dealing with the problem. As far as a green stimulus, I hope he will find that the communique reflects the desire in all countries of the world that we do not return to business as usual on the environment, that this is a low-carbon recovery, and we will do whatever we can, now and in the budget, to move that forward.
0: Mr, Mr. Speaker, the words sound, sound good. They always do. But he's just got to do... Now he's got to do what he says. He's the only G20 leader who's blown billions of pounds of borrowed money on a wasteful VAT cut that hasn't created a single job. Why should any other leader listen to his lessons? Isn't it time now he admits his mistake, announces at the summit tomorrow that he's going to stop this wasteful VAT cut and invest the billions of pounds to create the jobs? to create the homes that this country desperately
1: needs and desperately needs now. Mr Speaker, on the environment, let me just say we are the first government in the world to have signed a climate change legislation that will commit us to statutory cuts in carbon over the next few years. And I know he doesn't seem to think, or his party doesn't seem to think it's important, but we are leading the world as we should be in this environmental debate. As far as the issues uh, about VAT and other uh, changes are concerned, I have to tell them that you've got to use all weapons at your disposal if you're going to deal with a global financial crisis. And we have cut interest rates. We have now the Bank of England putting money into the economy. We have advanced public works in the economy. We've raised the pension, raised the child benefit beyond the level that was expected at January. And at the same time, we are giving income tax cuts starting this week by raising personal alliances and we are helping the unemployed and homeowners who find themselves in difficulty. That is the way to deal with this downturn, and the way to deal with the downturn is to take all measures necessary to get through it as quickly as possible. David Winnie. Arising from what
0: was said earlier, is my right honourable friend aware that some of us fought against a Conservative private member's bill that would have exempted the House of Commons from the Freedom of Information Act? But having said that, would my right hon. Friend also agree that it's absolutely essential to have a system of allowances which MPs claim most of it of course is for our staff but the public can have confidence in that the, that the allowances are legitimate, above board and simply make sense and the sooner we have such a system the better it will be for the reputation of the House of Commons
1: I, I think I speak for all members when we say we want a better system that has proper audit and deals with the outstanding issues that have caused so much controversy. But I have to say to all members of the House, that for that to command public confidence, it is not enough that one or two of us get together in a room. We have got to make sure that the Committee of Standards in Public Life, which we set up to deal with these issues, is also satisfied and can tell the public that the system is working better. Paul yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Christie Hospital, which is a world leader in the treatment of cancer, has recently lost £6.5 million due to the Icelandic banking crisis. Money earmarked for new radiographic centres in Oldham and uh, Salford. Given the government's support for financial institutions, what is the Prime Minister doing to help the Christie recover this money? First of all, I've met uh, nurses from uh, the Christie Hospital, Uh, They do a wonderful job in treating people with uh, cancer. They're a world-class hospital, and I praise them for what they do. I've said that I will meet uh, their officials uh, to look at the issues that they raise. This is essentially an issue in relation to an Icelandic uh, bank that was regulated not in Britain, but regulated outside Britain. Uh, all banks that are regulated in Britain, we have guaranteed the deposits of savers. Uh, we will look and see what we can do, but, I, but I, have, I have to tell them that that is the central issue, that this is not a, 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 this is not a charity regu- re- with, with funds in a bank that are regulated in Britain. But we will look at what we can do, and I do once again praise the Christie Hospital for what they achieve.
0: Dennis Murphy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, would the Prime Minister join me in congratulating Rio Tinto Alcan, for the excellent work they're doing in my constituency on carbon capture and storage the method that they have developed will both protect the environment and valuable local jobs and it's also a world first will he share that good news with his G20 colleagues and more importantly at his earliest convenience will he come to Linemouth and see firsthand the excellent work that has done there
1: uh, y- yes I'll be happy to visit uh, and look at the progress that is being made in carbon capture and storage and in clean coal. Uh, This is an area where we can lead the world. I've been talking to the Norwegian Prime Minister who has a carbon capture and storage uh, plant that is underway. We want to work with them so that we can move this technology forward quickly. I know that the company in his constituency, Ria Tocinto Alken, is doing a a great job and I look forward to meeting them and talking about how we can expand this technology.
2: Um, (coughs) Mr Speaker,
1: Does the Prime Minister recall,
2: when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer, selling 400 tonnes of gold from the reserves, even though he was warned at the time that gold is a very good store of value when boom turns to bust? Since today the price of gold is nearly four times higher than it was when he made those sales. What does this tell us about the prime minister's ability to run any other aspect of the British economy? And will he apologise to the British people for making those enormous losses on their behalf? Yeah.
1: I, I, I hesitate to say this, but this was a sale agreed with banks around the world, who all wanted to diversify. Who we all, well, we all? wanted to diversify? We all wanted to diversify out of gold? And you may know that many other countries were doing exactly what we were doing at this time. Now, he loves Europe so much, that he'll hate me for saying this, but we bought euros and they've gone up in value.
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. There are not many traumas worse than being thrown out of your home, and the government has rightly concentrated on trying to help the number of people facing repossession because of mortgage arrears. Yet a constituent of mine who is gravely ill with cancer has been told by Conservative-controlled Westminster Council's housing arm that she uh, is being taken to court facing eviction and court costs for owing just £390. Does my right hon. Friend share my shock at this behaviour? And is it right that councils and other landlords should concentrate on on cracking down on this behaviour and supporting vulnerable people through these difficult times?
1: Mr. Speaker, our duty at these difficult times is to help people who themselves are in difficulty and in need. And that is why we've made greater provision available for housing at this difficult time. Now, I don't know the details of the case with her constituent, but it seems to me that someone who is suffering from cancer and who is aged should not be evicted, and I shall look into the matter.
2: Mr. Hunter. Mr Speaker The Metropolitan Police in London Now have dedicated community policing teams Consisting of six officers In every local government ward They have a sergeant Two PCs and three PCSOs Could the Prime Minister Could the Prime Minister Could the Prime Minister Uh, uh,
0: Let the honourable gentleman speak It's no use anyone shouting The honourable gentleman
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Could the Prime Minister please indicate when my constituents in Cheadle and residents across the rest of the country will enjoy the same level of community policing?
1: Mr Speaker, I hesitate to say this because he knows what's happening in his constituency, but there is neighbourhood policing in every part of England as a result of the decisions that we made. I shall certainly look into what he said, but we have been very keen to set up these neighbourhood policing arrangements so that people can see local police on the beat, they can consult the local police, they're informed by the local police of what's happening and they then can text or email or telephone the local police to get information. And our aim is neighbourhood policing in every community of the country. That is only possible because we are ready to invest in the police. Tony Lloyd. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My. Um Right Honourable Femme will vividly remember the, the damage
2: that was done by unemployment during the, the failed economic. Uh policies of previous Tory governments when when we were told that unemployment was a price worth paying will the Prime Minister give my constituents a guarantee that in his conversations with the G20 in the budget that keeping people in work, getting those unemployed back into work will be the absolute priority for this government even if not for those people opposite
1: Mr Speaker like uh, my honourable friend, I I came into politics because I am concerned about unemployment and unemployment is what we want Unemployment is what we want to address That's why in the next few days We are introducing our programme To help those who have been unemployed for six months Get new chances of training And new chances of getting into work And we are investing substantial sums of money Into helping people at the time they become unemployed To prevent them becoming unemployed And at the same time to help them if they are unemployed And I believe that is only possible Because we are prepared to make the choice that it's right not to do nothing, it's right to take action and invest in helping employment in this country.
0: Yeah. I yeah. 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 But the Government's working capital scheme, which was supposed to start on the 1st of March, um, has so far not produced anything. Unemployment in my constituency has increased by 152% in a year. Why has no company in my constituency received any money from the working capital scheme set up by the Government?
1: Mr. Speaker first of all a billion pounds has been agreed for that scheme already secondly a hundred thousand companies across the country and many in his constituency will be receiving help from the the inland revenue and from customs and excise. That is help that is now worth about 1.8 billion pounds as a result of the decisions that we made to put public money into these programmes And I cannot see how he can come and ask us to do more when the whole policy of his party is to do less. Laura Moffat.
0: Speaker, cancer is a devastating diagnosis to receive, but today is a significant day because cancer-related prescriptions will now be free yeah. for everyone yeah. to give the comfort for, for people in that situation. Right. Will he make sure that West Sussex PCT, to provide excellent services in Crawley and the surrounding area, will deliver on their plan to have a linear accelerator within the community to add to those fantastic services? Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's, she's absolutely right. We want to help... Uh review and improve uh, radiotherapy capacity in her constituency and we'll be developing a comprehensive business plan which will cover the current and projected needs of her constituency. But let me also say we have made a decision that is right for patients who are suffering from cancer to have freeze prescriptions. That is introduced today. I believe it is a substantial step forward in recognising the pain and suffering that cancer patients have to go through, and I hope it will have support in all parts of the House. Nadine yeah. Doris. Yeah.
0: Mr. Speaker, yeah. Mr Speaker, it's not brain surgery to keep a hospital clean, nor is it to assist a patient in eating or drinking out of something other than a vase. Would the Prime Minister admit with me and agree with me but government targets whilst supplying a substance for SPIN have actually damaged nursing priorities and patient care.
1: Mr Speaker, if we remove the obligations, then cancer patients would not be given the right that within two weeks of going to a doctor, they would be seen by a clinician. If we removed the target, then there would not be 18 weeks from the point at which you go to a doctor and the point at which you have an operation. Patients in the National Health Service have the right to expect the best of treatment and I think it's important to say that if the opposition will not provide these guarantees we will provide these to the patients of this country.
0: Mr Speaker, it's uh, 10 years since the introduction of the minimum wage in the UK. It's not in the history syllabus yet
2: as far as I'm aware but I do recollect that not everybody in this place agreed with it. Will the Prime Minister join me in celebrating that's helped Millions of British
1: working people. Mr Speaker, more than 2 million people in this country benefit from the fact that for the first time there is a national minimum wage in this country. And I believe the rises that have taken place in the minimum wage are an important element in giving people decent wages in the workplace. And I hope that despite the disagreements of the past, there is now all-party agreement. A civilised society needs a minimum wage for people who are in work and we are determined to retain it. Order.